They didn't look like anything special. Red covers, yellowing pages, every page with a date at the top. What was unusual was that every single page had an entry. Every page was crammed with fluid handwriting in blue ballpoint. Every single page. It's rare to find a completed diary in a thrift store, and as I flipped through the pages, I noticed right away that there was something very special about these particular diaries. February 27th. We got a girl by us this morning, or I should say Virginia did, and boy did she ever smell from B.O. Verge told Bertha and she made her go to the nurse and get sprayed. March 25th, to went to bed without watching TV and was eating nuts and reading when I cracked and broke my upper plate. Of all the damn luck. Then, to make matters worse, a big moth flew into my bedroom and I got hysterical and woke the whole house to get rid of it. Really went to bed late then. The diaries were filled with painstaking and sometimes beautiful detail of her everyday life. November 9th, another lousy day. I wore my blue suit with the pleated skirt and looked sharp. Mike looked but ignored me again, and I'm getting so disgusted. I don't care anymore. Besides, my other admirer has been around. He came first thing in the morning, unfortunately, when Zoya and I were having an argument. But he talked to me for quite a while. This time we discussed houseplants, etc. He sure is nice, but I wish he was a little older. At last break, when I went into the cafeteria, he asked me to sit at his table, which was filled with fellows, and he held out and pushed in my chair. Ate like a pig when I got home. I savored each tantalizing bit of information, searching for clues as to who the writer was, what she did, where she lived, what she liked, what she didn't. I didn't know her name, but one thing was very clear. She had a lot of lousy days. October 13th. Boy, it was another lousy day. It rained, and I broke my heel and came to work looking like a drowned rat. The war with Dad is still on, so I went right to bed. Didn't even watch TV. January 27th. Really got up late today and felt real lousy again. So I didn't do anything but lay around all day. October 13th. Oh, boy, felt not too bad during the day, but by evening I started feeling lousy again. Mr. Lesko died today. It was a bit like reading a mystery. Every bit of information led to something else. Every fact led to another question. Some were dead ends. But here's what I was able to deduce. Her name was probably Dolores. She was 30 years old in 1961. February 18th. Well, today is my birthday, and I'm 30. She liked to go to the movies. Went to the show and saw Pillow Talk. Went to the show and saw Operation Petticoat, and it was very funny. Went to the show and saw The Gazebo. Lousy. Went to the show and saw Pillow Talk again. That cheered me up. Saw Can Can, which I thought stunk. Saw Five Branded Women and The Wild River, and we walked out. She liked shopping. After work, I went to Lashes, and then to Madigan's, and bought a knockout of a dress and a new winter coat. I bought a blender, which I didn't need, and some sachet and salami. She liked food. Got up around 10.30, ate breakfast, ate like a pig all day, and washed clothes. By evening, I went hog wild on biscuits and ice cream. And she cooked a lot. We were going to have Waldorf salad, rice potatoes, peas continental, and leg of lamb with mint sauce. Everything I made turned out crummy. The peas weren't too good, the potatoes were cold, and of course, the cake was lousy. She worked at the Zenith Television Factory. She was an assembler on the line, and she didn't really like her job very much. June 28th. 
God, today was just horrible. I not only felt awful, I worked awful, and by noon I was in such a state of nerves I could have exploded. I yelled at and snapped at everyone, and Natalie and I were at it all day long. I really was ready to quit. I went to the nurse and took a nerve pill, and things were a little better. She got to work on the very first color television sets, which Zenith introduced in 1961. She didn't like working on those any more than the black and white sets. June 26th. Went to our new jobs on colored TV, and are they ever awful? And I feel like I'm in Siberia. I asked Mike a couple of times about the controls, and later on he called me over and showed me a book about a Baptist. He was so cute. Went to bed late. Pillow talk, pillow talk. Another night of hearing myself talk, 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 talk. Some aspects of her life were just simply intriguing, such as who exactly was Mike? It was clear that Mike was one of her co-workers, and it seemed that he was in some supervisory position, perhaps the line foreman. Dolores developed a bit of a crush on him in the summer of 1960. June 6th. Work went better today. Didn't get a chance to talk to Mike right away, although he was near when Eddie was talking to me, and Mike just waited and looked glum. So I thought, "Uh uh-oh. Then I asked for screws, and he said Vince could get them, and Vince got the lousy ones. So later on, I told Mike, My mother warned me about men like you. All I do is talk to my pillow. Talk to my pillow. Talk to my pillow. Figuring everything out required some detective work. I started keeping notes, writing down lists of who might be who, and plotting out points on a map trying to figure out where she lived. Dad drove me to Western, and even though I left earlier, I still met that lousy Teresa. There were lots of street references. Took a bath and met Ruth at 6 o'clock on 22nd and Western. We went to the bowling alley to meet Joe, and they were already bowling. Then this blonde floozy... I eventually narrowed it down to a south-side Chicago neighborhood called McKinley Park. I knew that she lived with her father, but I didn't know what had happened to her mother. In the entire two years of writing, there was only one reference to her. My mother warned me about men like you. I knew that she had a particularly contentious relationship with the woman who was obviously her evil stepmother, Rose. January 22nd. Woke up feeling miserable and still mad about yesterday. Then Big Shot Rose started ordering around that I'd better get at the dishes or else in her bitchy tone, and Sir Lancelot had to get up and rush to her rescue, which resulted in a bang-up fight. I was so disgusted, if I felt better, I think I would have left home right then and there. And then I was told that I'm only a slave here, nothing else. They can both go to hell as far as I'm concerned, the big baboons. She didn't do anything all day but sit around watching TV, and for that she gets all the money she needs, and then don't dare say a word against precious Rose. She worried about her weight and how her hairdo was doing, and one thing was certain, that even while at work in the factory, she was one snappy dresser. November 14th. Wore my new steel blue dress today and looked real sharp. May 8th, came home, had on my blue striped cotton dress, and Mike sure was attentive today. December 21st, wore my black dress suit today and looked pretty sharp, and so did my hair. John came over several times in the morning, but didn't say much, although he pinched me a couple of times. When John gave me the stock, he was singing a song, and I asked him if he had a cold. He said no, that it was his deep voice. 
The song was about being alone and lonely at night. Are you lonesome tonight? Do you miss me tonight? Are you sorry we drifted apart? She didn't have a steady boyfriend, but there was this guy named J.B. who figured very prominently, particularly in the 1960 diary. J.B. had given her some kind of ring sometime in 1959. She had had it reset, and that really made people mad. In the car, Jenny asked me about the ring, and then read me the riot act. She got so shook up, she rode past the post office three times. Dolores showed up at a card party wearing the reset ring while J.B. was around. Around 10 o'clock, J.B. snuck in, but he didn't have much to say, and then watched TV in the living room. I didn't go out of my way to talk to him either. Then he came back and spotted the ring. After that, he was positively frigid, and I thought, good, it serves him right. I was very happy and hope it hurt him. We left at midnight, and he didn't say goodbye until I said it first. Tell me, dear, are you lonesome tonight? One of the greatest mysteries, at least to me, was... Who was J.B., and what did he mean to her? The answer had to be out there. I figured it had to be in an earlier diary. Every bit of information about J.B., about the ring, about why she got it reset, about why hearing about it upset Jenny so much that she drove past the post office three times. It all had to be in that elusive diary. So the next weekend, I scoured the same antique store looking for more diaries. I didn't find any, but I did find a scrapbook titled with meticulous silver stick-on letters. Las Vegas, October 17th to 22nd, 1971. The scrapbook was filled with programs for shows including such 1970s Vegas headliners as Don Rickles, Robert Goulet, and one amazing double bill, Buddy Hackett, and Charo. Gucci, Gucci. And in the back of the scrapbook, postcards sent from Dolores to Rose to the house they shared on the south side of Chicago. It was her. I now had her last name and her home address. I found eight of Dolores' scrapbooks in two different antique stores. Inside were even more clues, or really, more mysteries. Things like a 1988 canceled check from Zenith for $86,000, which seemed to be for her pension. Pictures of enormous dream houses and realtors' business cards. I wondered, did she just cash out and move out to the suburbs and leave her diaries behind? And there were still those other questions. Who was J.B.? Did Dolores ever marry? What happened to her mother? Was Rose really Dolores' evil stepmother? Was Dolores still alive? It was possible, after all. She would only have been in her early 70s. After nearly a year of sleuthing, I finally paid a visit to Chicago City Hall to see if there was a death certificate on file for Dolores. I learned that she died on December 21st, 1992, of congestive heart failure and chronic obstructive lung disease. 
she was 60 years old. She was buried at St. Mary's Cemetery in Evergreen Park, Illinois, on Christmas Eve, 1992. That weekend, I drove out to the cemetery, and I discovered that Rose was not the evil stepmother after all. She and Dolores are buried side by side with matching beloved sister headstones. July 12th. Got up around 1 o'clock and it was raining and real dreary. Around 1.30 at night, the fire engine started going by. Then at 2.15, Dad called, and he thought the harvesters was on fire. He said there was a terrific fire somewhere. Rose went up in the attic, and sure enough, there was a big fire to the north of us, and it had the whole little room lit up. We turned on the radio, and ten of Harvester's buildings on 26th Street were burning down. We got dressed, and we went on the bridge at 3 a.m. to watch. We saw Uncle Joe coming home from work. Using information from Dolores' death certificate, I was able to contact her good friend Seal, who she had visited in Louisville, Kentucky, on New Year's Eve, 1960. December 31st. Well, I'm starting out the new year right, having fun in Louisville, Kentucky. After our party, which lasted until 3.30 this morning, it sure was hard getting up. Late one afternoon, I found myself driving to McKinley Park, Dolores' old Chicago neighborhood, to visit Seal. Seal was in town visiting her sister Betty, who lived right across the street from Dolores' old house. They invited me in, offered me coffee and cookies, and wanted to tell me everything about Dolores and her family and what life was like in the neighborhood before things like the highway came and changed it all. I learned that Dolores' mother Mary died of leukemia when Dolores was eight, and that Dolores dropped out of school after eighth grade and got a job at the neighborhood dime store. I learned that neither Dolores nor Rose ever married. They lived in that same South Side house until the day they died. And then Seal pulled out a photo album from their 1963 trip to New York City. She opened it up, began paging through, and pointed at Dolores. And there she finally was, smiling up at me, wearing a knee-length sleeveless pink summer dress. She is squinting into the sunlight. She's smiling, beaming, really. She looks like she's definitely not having a lousy day. And I almost felt a little bit sad because I knew I was at the end. The puzzle had been solved. This photograph, a final piece. But there was that nagging question. I then asked Seal, who was J.B.? And she said, J.B., J.B., um, that doesn't sound familiar. She knew a lot of people who we didn't really know, lots of people from Zenith who we never even met. I said, he gave her a ring. She had it reset. It upset a lot of people. In the car, Jenny asked me about the ring and then read me the riot act. She got so shook up, she rode past the post office three times. She said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that was Jimmy. And she pointed to another photograph, Dolores standing with two young men, the three of them snappily dressed and smiling. Seal pointed to the man with the mustache and she said, that's Jimmy. And that other guy with him, I think that they were together. I don't think he was interested in her so much. I think that those two men were together.
told Seal that I had shown the diaries to a lot of friends and that the usual response was, oh my God, she sounds so depressed. Oh God, she sounds so bipolar. What a little Prozac would have done for her. And Seal actually thought that that was pretty funny because she said that Dolores really was a lot of fun to be with. She loved throwing parties. She loved decorating the house for the holidays. She loved being around people. And she was definitely full of life. January 2nd. Got up late and barely made it for church. After, I packed my bags and got ready to leave. Got home at 7 o'clock. In a way, I hated to leave, but in a way, I was glad to get home, too. Home is the same, unfortunately, and Dad sure can get on my nerves. I don't know. When I'm home, I don't feel like talking, but when I'm away, I'm a completely different person. <laughs> 